Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, I'm Kirsty. And I'm Kelsey. And it's time to hate watch with us. Welcome to our variety show for sarcastic people who are still super quarantined <laughs> and still watching a lot of TV. But you know what? Something great happened in quarantine, I guess. I would say yes. Yeah. It was well, a nice was that something great. It was a nice thing. Um it was. we had the opportunity to watch the series finale of Shits Creek. We sure did. Yes. A bright shining light of hope in our dark times. In these are modern times. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, truly thrilling. What an honor. Yeah. What a thing we've all shared together. Yeah. Yeah. We have some thoughts. We're here to talk about the final season. I think in general, because yeah. last time we spoke, it was at the end of season five. Yes, I think that's I think, true. Yeah. So it's it's time for a check in, I would say. Yeah, to say the least. <laughs> you know, have some feelings. Um, If you have not, I feel like this should go without saying, but I'm just going to yeah. go ahead and say it. If you have not watched the season or don't want spoilers, then take this opportunity to pause the podcast, because we are talking about all the things. Yes. Your choices are your own, henceforth. It's like one of those weird shows where there's a huge population that's going to see this in, like, three months. Yep. Which is different, but I was happy to see it first, because that's more fun. <laughs> as a pro cable that's person like who over you are here as a person <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um i should also note that speaking of who i am as a person sometimes <laughs> i like to have themed snacks when a tv show ends <laughs> like when parks and rec ended i had waffles um I feel like there's been some other ones, but for Schitt's Creek, we had cinnamon rolls. Even in the midst of a pandemic, we found a way. We still found a way. Yeah. I love that. I just feel like it makes it a little better. I wish I had cinnamon rolls. Mm. They were not bad. I mean, they were definitely from a can, like a little (laughs) roll, but you know what? (laughs) But you know, not the worst. (laughs) Yeah. Beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> there was like one left at the grocery store, and I was like, "These are mine." <laughs> I love that. It it's really like good. the Hunger Games, except not funny anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if anyone knows where to get yeast, <laughs> oh, I do, but it won't help you. Oh, okay. Because it's, it's it like here your fridge. Not... Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> there's a a restaurant here that started selling groceries and so i was able to obtain so much flour Mm -hmm. i bought a lot of bulk goods from this restaurant today (laughs) it was really good news because my milkman didn't deliver last week so oh yikes yikes everything's a disaster yep um but you know where the supply chains aren't collapsing and that's in Shit's Creek. <laughs> it's really smooth. <laughs> I was literally like thinking about how I was going to tell you about what places near me are delivering, and I had totally forgotten we were recording right now. <laughs> I was like, no, we're here for a reason. God damn it. <laughs> in fairness, we didn't take our usual banter time. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> a lot of catching up we missed out on the opportunity. In fairness, for. we really haven't talked to many people in months. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh no. All the time. Oy. Okay. We're all in this one together. <sighs> yeah. Much like the citizens of Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek. 
So I think... I guess I can start by briefly talking about, like, the narrative arcs of this season. Yeah. And then we can chat a little bit about, like, I want to talk about some character bits and some highs and lows for the season. And whatever the fuck else we want to talk about. (laughs) Great. That sounds dandy. Great. Um, I took a lot of notes, so that's why I'm leading <laughs> this charge. Yes. Listeners. <laughs> that's the right thing to do. <laughs> so, um, season five left off with David and Patrick getting engaged in their wedding is, like, the main arc for this season, which I think is right. Um, it starts with them, like, going venue shopping and then, um choosing like a maid of honor and doing their food tasting uh and then culminates in their wedding and i think like they spaced those out well over the course of the season it was like every other episode was a wedding-ish episode yeah just kind of sprinkle it in there yeah and we will get into that in more detail but that was sort of like their big arc and i think part of that was also David sort of taking a turn from it being, like, his day to being a, like, <laughs> joint venture. Yes. <laughs> um, Learning to be a little less selfish. Yeah. As has been known to happen to the characters of this show. Correct. Um, on the Moira front, uh, she opens the season having a breakdown because her movie had been cancelled. And she quickly finds out that the movie is back on. So then we have a big flurry of Crows Have Eyes related (laughs) story. Um, (laughs) Which is some really good shit. It is good shit. She does a social media takeover on the Interflix accounts, which is that was one of the best episodes. That was so fucking good. Very good. She ends up having you know, some renewed fame out of this movie. And that leads to new opportunities with Sunrise Bay having a reboot. Uh, And she has a good lesson in sort of like learning her worth after all this time. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much her story arc is going out on a high. Um, Alexis... We open up with she's going to the Galapagos to live with Ted, and then there's a few um, hurdles in that plan. They have sort of a, like, remote relationship for a while. They're really into social distancing before it was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. And then they decide to break up... um, on really good terms, but for each of their careers. And that leads to Alexis sort of having a little mini crisis about like what she's doing with her life and if she's making the right choices. And then she sort of gets a lot of confidence in her work with promoting the crows movie. Um, (laughs) And she uh, decides to move to New York at the end of it and to sort of go out on her own and support herself and not like rely on other people to carry her. And then Johnny, he decides he's going to buy another motel and he, there's all this stuff with like him and Stevie and Stevie deciding she wants to explore other career options and then deciding, never mind, I want to be part of the hotel. And then Roland and Jocelyn get involved as business partners and they buy um, they buy the second motel and they decide they could make a lot more money if they can buy, like, a bazillion motels and have a <laughs> franchise. So then they go through, like, this whole story of securing funding um, and sort of getting Johnny, I think, back to, like, where his, like, comfort zone is, but, like, where he was, like, on track to success, um, similar to his... Uh, former business and who am i missing is that like everyone i think that's pretty much everyone those are our core our core roses that's what we care about 
Yeah. The tertiary folks all had, yeah, you know, their own stuff. But, like, yeah. 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 Um, so... Where should we go from here? I want to register a gripe. So, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I don't know that I love the way they ended Alexis's arc. Tell me more. I So, I feel like everybody else got to end in, if not a very different place, then they started at least like a, an elevated place. You know, like, Moira and Johnny kind of came full circle and were sort of back on track, but were, like, happier people for it. Yeah. And the same is technically true of Alexis, but I don't love that they're sending her back to New York City by herself to go live an independent life when so much of this season, but the show in general, is about her, like, having friends for the first time in her life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now they're just going to, like, rip her away from all of that. And I suppose, in theory, it's supposed to be predicated on the idea that she's now, like, capable of building healthy relationships with people. Except that the one thing that has always been a recurring theme for her, including, like, two episodes before the finale, is that she, like, regresses when left to her own devices, So there's all of the stuff about how Ted has made her a better, more stable person. But then the second they Mm -hmm. break up, she's giving in to all of her worst impulses and is essentially back at, like, square one temporarily. And so I just feel like it does her disservice to have everybody else sort of paired up and living their best lives and to send her off into the unknown in New York by herself when that's always been her pattern. Mm. I kind of, I kind of wanted her coupled, and I never wow. want that. I'm glad that her and Ted broke up. I thought that was a really good scene, and it was okay for them. Yeah. Um, I wasn't like that upset about it. No, I wasn't like mad. I thought they did it well. Yeah, but I thought like the scene that made me think that they were trying to like show that she has, you know developed and like can handle herself like moving to new york in some ways was there's an episode after that breakup and everything where she's i think it's after a breakup it may be right before yeah it was right before uh but she is working after the crows movie is done uh and she's working for this like cult fitness brand <laughs> And she's, like, (laughs) being Alexis in every way, and, like, she gets all these people to go um, from the town and, like, go to the class, and she's like, oh, it's so great. And then, like, everyone figures out (laughs) that it's a cult, (laughs) but she also figures that out on her own, and not because other people tell her to, and then she's the one who's like, guys, I think I brought you to a cult, I think we need to leave, this is not good, I don't want to work with these people, and I feel like that was a... Like, in the past, I think someone would have told her that, but she may not have, like, come to that on her own. I guess. I in think, the same like, way, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think they do a lot of setup to suggest that she's in a healthier place and, like, is more self-assured and in yeah. command of herself. I think part of my issue with it is it feels like, like, it feels like her arc was way more bittersweet than everyone else's. Like... It feels like she was sort of resigned into going to New York, Um, you know, because, like, David abandons her and her parents abandon her. And she's kind of like, well, I don't really know what else to do, so I guess I'm just going to go. And it doesn't... I mean, they give her the opportunity to move to L.A. Yeah. It just felt like she, like, it was all bittersweet in the sense that, like, the family was being separated But Mm -hmm. it felt like there were more sort of positive or, like, redeeming aspects to that to balance out the scales for Johnny and Moira and David and Patrick. And that Alexis was just kind of like, well. I didn't feel as strongly as you, I don't think. I see what you're saying. Yeah. But I think I was more satisfied with her, like, being on her own for once. um, And, like, being capable and 
sort of getting that vindication. Except I feel like she, like, she's always been capable and cunning and has had, like, the survival instinct on her own and so much of her life has been lived independently. It's just the difference of whether or not she's, like, being kidnapped by sultans or, you know, being a productive member of society. So Mm -hmm. I don't feel like it was as big of a, a change for her as it could have been. Because I feel like she's the character who, like, gained the most. I do think that as well. I think what I'm saying is I am more invested in Alexis than, like, maybe the show is. (laughs) You know what I'm invested in about Alexis? Hmm. Above all else, her hair. Her hair is a mythical creature. Her hair is, like, almost as mythical as Carrie Russell's hair in The Americans, which is my perfect hair. Yeah, they were doing some really good curly stuff this season. Yeah. On the day of the finale, I wore my hair in, like, a braid on top and then a ponytail, and Mm -hmm. I decided I really like that, so maybe that's going to be a new look for me. (laughs) Fun! (laughs) For everyone that I see while I'm in quarantine. Yeah. (laughs) For all of those closet shelves you get to paint. Yeah. I fucking love closets, guys. (laughs) Kelsey's having a lot of fun painting closets. Ugh. I've painted closet doors, I've painted closets, closet shelves. It's just it's just great. It's awesome. It's been a big, big quarantine for closets. Yeah. <sighs> so fair point about Alexis. Yeah. That was like that was the thing I had the most feelings about is I just don't feel like she got what everyone else got. Well see, for me, I wrote this down as one of my like lows for the season but i thought that the johnny stevie roland trifecta was the weakest link out of everyone in terms of like their ability to succeed moving forward like i felt the least confident in that group which is fine because those are like the people i like the least yeah (laughs) so i wasn't like offended by that but i thought that it was like a little bit of a weak point i thought it was like i knew they needed a device to get Johnny and Moira to leave Schitt's Creek, but I thought it was wild that, like, they would run their motel group remotely from an L.A. or New York office. Yeah, it seemed like, like there, a there wasn't odd. a good reason for no. Johnny to go somewhere. Right. That I mean, was I was silly. a lot happier when the Moira thing came into the picture. Yeah, that made way more sense. Mm-hmm. I feel like it should have been, instead of, like, Johnny has this business opportunity, so he has to go work out of some big office. If it was like, well, Moira has this big opportunity, and he could technically work remote. Right. Which I feel like they got to, but it was delayed for dumb reasons. Yeah. Also, can I just say, their idea for, like, their motel group is not actually that insane, because I stayed in a motel in Charleston, that was, like, newly renovated, and it was totally going for this vibe. They, like... Really? Yeah. It was, like, an old, like, roadside motel, and they went for this, like, mid-century modern sort of vibe in the renovation. And it was, like, nice enough. It was fine. Mm. Um, It was better than the hotel that we had stayed in the couple of nights before when we were in North Carolina. Um, but it was definitely, like, still a shitty old motel. Like, they put a lot of finishes on it. But, like, the plumbing <laughs> was a little sketchy. <laughs> uh-huh. And it definitely smelled like hospital-grade disinfectant, which is, like, somewhat comforting, but also a lot. Yeah. Um, but it was totally, this is what they were going for, was, like, oh, yeah. upscale roadside motel. That's really funny. I don't think I've ever Boutique stayed in a motel. motel. They're fine. Technically speaking, if you want to go by statistics, you're more likely to get bed bugs in like a Hilton than you are in a motel. Yeah, just as a fun fact. Yeah, they just seem sadder. Nicer, nicer hotels are like in more denial about bed bugs than shitty motels are. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, that's that. That's that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) one thing I really loved was Moira's whole arc about like the revival of um sunrise bay that was so gratifying it was so cute (laughs) (laughs) i had emotions like 
So Moira gets offered um, her role, basically, on this reboot of Sunrise Bay. And her old castmate and, like, producer come to Schitt's Creek and, like, try and win her over. And she's, like, excited about it. And then in the meantime, uh, Alexis is having a crisis. And so she's, like, binge-watching Sunrise Bay, which was also hilarious. That and, was great. Yeah. And she's like, Mom, I think, like, as the moderator of the Sunrise Bay community, <laughs> she's like, I've read these things. And I think that your coworker like, basically wrote you out of the show, like, negotiated you out. Yeah. And Moira, like, had either been in denial about it or had no idea or a little bit of both. And so she's like, no, no, no. And then she goes and meets with them and finds out that that is true. So she tells them that she'll take the job, but she demands that he gets killed off. And she demands a tennis bracelet, which is, like, the most (laughs) Moira thing ever, but also (laughs) so so good. And um, she's like, I knew they would say no, but I just wanted to, like, you know, She was making a point. Make a point and, like, prove her worth. And she's, like, not that disappointed about it, like, in the scale of things. She's not in a closet. Yeah. And so she, like, is carrying on with her life. And then, out of nowhere, she basically gets mail. And it's them um, deciding to take her offer and the tennis bracelet. (laughs) (laughs) It is so... It's, like, a very good moment. It's so pure. It's so pure, and she's, like, I think it's, like, the, it's not the first time that she's understood her worth, but it's been a while, (laughs) I would probably say. she understands it in a different way. It's, like, she had to, like, fight for her worth in a way that she, like, hadn't done since she was, like, a young, scrappy, poor actress. Yeah. And then, like, when Alexis comes in, she's, like, even the tennis bracelet? (laughs) (laughs) like yes it's just like it's very good because like who hasn't wanted to do that in a work scenario in like whatever your tennis bracelet is like you're like (laughs) (laughs) what would be your tennis bracelet i don't know i'm i'm not in a place to to get there right now a contract (laughs) yeah Um (laughs) <laughs> some reliable employment <laughs> mine is uh, potentially almost as sad as that and that would be a workspace with a door mm. yeah like I demand to get paid my worth and I want a fucking office <laughs> I want an office where I can shut the door and work by myself for the love oh. of god I know isn't that like the dream I think mine is, like, working remote, also. Oh, yeah, that's fair. That's a big one. Not right now, but, like... (laughs) Actually, maybe my tennis bracelet would be a coffee machine. (laughs) You know, I had an espresso at work one time, not at my current job, but in a previous place, and it was sent to us by our agency just for our team, and, like, we put it in our office, and the facilities people made us put it in the kitchenette because it was a fire hazard. (laughs) Oh my god. And it was so rude. That's obnoxious. I don't think we ever used it after we had to move it, because it was like, no, the principal. Too far away. (laughs) That was our tennis bracelet cut. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. Um, okay. What else should we talk about? Should we talk about some more highs, some more lows, some more character things? What, What do we feel like? You know the high we should touch on early before this starts to go, like, long? Yeah. Is, um, all of the happy endings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you tell the people about the happy endings? <laughs> <laughs> the finale is called Happy Ending, which is lovely. You're like, great, the wedding is here. There's gonna be a happy ending to the whole fucking show. Great, good yeah. job, writers. Yeah. Um, so it's the day of the wedding. Shit's going down. 
So Patrick surprises David with a massage, which he had planned months in advance because he figured David would be stressed. Yeah. Um, So Patrick leaves the apartment to go deal with all the crises, and the masseuse comes to the apartment, and David is getting his massage, and then the masseuse asks him to roll over, and (laughs) we get a cut of Dan Levy's face looking very surprised. Yeah. And then... We jump in time to Patrick and Stevie coming back to the apartment and delivering some bad news, which is that the wedding is now going to be held at the town hall. Yeah. And David is just, like, serene. Like, it is – he is not thrilled, but it is just rolling off of him. He's like, where are we going to get married? A parking garage? (laughs) (laughs) He's, like, sprawled out in bed with his, like, coffee mug. Yeah. And he just casually drops, like, I've never had a happy ending massage before. Did you have to pay extra for that? <laughs> <laughs> Which then creates, like, a whole a whole series of strife because Patrick didn't know that's what he was paying for. Yeah. And then the rest of the episode happens and we get to the wedding and they are delivering their vows. And <laughs> David <laughs> says to Patrick... You are my happy ending. <laughs> and I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Very good. I don't know that I've ever, ever seen anyone earn a punchline quite like that. Oh, it was so good. They, they fucking earned it because it was just so cool and casual and it just worked. I found, like, that was one of a couple moments where, like, in this season in particular, they were so good at finding levity in otherwise yes. emotional, like, moments in a way that, like, I feel like I can relate to because that's what I would try to do is, like, yeah. if I feel, like, emotional, I would try to divert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, I felt like they were really, like, just doing that for me in the way that I needed there's one in particular that was um, a house-related thing that I'll get to, but it was, like, I probably had the strongest reaction to that scene and out of the whole season. And all of a sudden, it's, like, David and Stevie, and all of a sudden David's, like, um, are you wearing deodorant or is that the farm? <laughs> <laughs> that was very good. It was that very, was very good. good. And I think the happy ending thing was just another moment of, like, It was very emotional. (laughs) They just, like, nailed it. Yeah. We're all a little dead inside the way the roses are dead inside. And it's not a bad way to be. No. It's very good. (laughs) It really works. Do you want to jump to the house stuff? Yeah, I want to talk about the house stuff. Because I got very nervous when this plot unfolded. Really? Well, I've... Were you having, like, Jim and Pam PTSD? Yeah. Yes. So, this show did the house plot correctly in all of the ways that Jim and Pam did it horrendously. And if you have a different take on that, get out of this podcast. Yeah. It's not cute to buy a house for someone that they either have never seen before or it's your parents' house. Also weird. Yeah. And, like, without discussing with yeah. them, they, like, like if you're all looking at houses, maybe, maybe, hard maybe, considering a number of variables, an argument can be made for a grand romantic gesture of surprise buying a house. But if you and your partner have not sat down and talked about mortgage terms, yep. Yep. or your credit scores, yep. or anything... Yeah. Then maybe don't. Maybe just don't. I've actually had like nightmares about that before. <laughs> like <laughs> Danny like bought us a house and I hadn't seen it before and I I remember the appliances were blue and I didn't want blue appliances. <laughs> I was like very distraught. I was like, well they're new, so I just have to keep them, but I don't like them. And it was like, <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, buying a house is, like, very fraught. Like, it's not a cute life development. It's like a BFD. Yeah. So, anyway, this is in the second to last episode of this season, which I think we we talked about offline, was, like, 
probably the most emotional one. Yes. Uh, and at the beginning of it, uh, David's like very hype about moving to New York because his parents are going to move to New York and obviously they would all just go to New York and Patrick's sort of like, mm, really? New York? Like, I guess? And so he's talking to Stevie about it and Stevie sort of leaks that Patrick had been looking at a house. And that's news to David. And I was like, oh, no. See, I don't, I can't remember what they said in that first, like, line of it or something. But they said something when the idea was first introduced where I immediately was like, oh, okay. I I see where this is going. Maybe all they did was character development. Yeah. Because you know that, like, Patrick would never look at a house that David didn't approve of. Yeah. So they say, and I, it was just like a good little little bit but they said it looked like the house that Cameron Diaz gets in England in the holiday which is a deep cut but I knew exactly what that house looked like (laughs) and how'd they do they did pretty good actually it was it was perfect and so he's like oh well we've driven by that house a couple times and I've said I liked it but he was he's like very thrown off about this like house thing and He asks Patrick about it, and Patrick is like, uh, it's not on the market, but I told them if they ever wanted to sell, that I'd be interested. Yeah, it just, like, went and knocked on their door. Yeah. And so then there's a scene where David and Stevie are, like, sitting on her car in the driveway of this house. (laughs) A little creepily, (laughs) like, I would call the cops. Um, (laughs) And they're, like, looking at the house, and... It's a very emotional scene, but David is, like, so beside himself that someone would go to the lengths to do that just because he said he liked that house. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, that alone is the gesture for him. Yeah. And he's like, who does that? And Stevie's like, good people. <laughs> <laughs> that's who. And then they have, they have a, like, heart-to-heart about why he wants to move to, to New York and... Um, she tells him she doesn't want him to leave and, you know, this whole conversation sort of unfolds. Uh, and then at the end of the episode, David brings Patrick with the blindfold back to that house and he's like, big reveal, like, I put an offer in the house, like, I do want to stay, this is what you want, whatever. (laughs) And they just, like, I was like, okay, at least they both were kind of on board, but then they really just fucking nailed it because Patrick's like, by putting an offer, you mean what? (laughs) (laughs) That is so good. (laughs) He's like, yeah, I don't don't know, you should probably take a look at that offer. That's very good. It was just so good, and like, they just... They did everything exactly right with that extremely fraught plot point. <laughs> and they pack, like, so much into those, like, two yeah. little scenes. Like, I could wax poetic for probably a solid 45 minutes just on, like, everything they got in there emotionally. I don't even... I mean, we we know this about us. <laughs> we don't love Stevie as a character, but that scene was no. very, very good. No, yeah, that was super well done. And, it like, I was going to say this, too. It bums me out a little bit that I don't appreciate Stevie as a character more because mostly if I take myself out of that moment, I don't feel like she is the person that would have grounded David there. Mm. Like, I think, mm-hmm. like, Alexis and Twyla have a better friendship than yeah, <laughs> Stevie yeah. and David do. Not yeah. because the show didn't try but just because i don't think stevie was what they were going for in the end yeah that's maybe a personal issue (laughs) can we address Um, stevie as a low yeah so one thing in particular like i don't enjoy stevie stevie's fine but the, the plot point that was just like why are we doing this the most probably for me was her career crisis i hated that I did not like it at all. I didn't need any part of it. There was no part of it that did any good for me. Her whole vibe is like, well, I'm stuck in this job, so I guess this is what I do. Followed by, like, two seasons of being like, I don't know if I want to do this or not, but I don't 
really want to try very hard to look into other things. Followed by, like, three episodes of her trying to be an, a flight attendant for no reason. No reason. Followed by her being like, I guess it's easier to just do motel things. Yeah. I'll have the job I had before. And, like, she had a good beat sort of towards the end where she comes up with the idea to do the franchise, but they didn't need to do any of this other stuff to get her there. They could have done some, like, very light, like, initiative taking. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Like, she was never the type of person who would have worked that hard to try to get out of Schitt's Creek. And so her just, like, taking this shitty job and having to live with it for, like, three episodes and then bailing out hard was, like, pathetic looking. Yeah. Um, She would have been far better off. Like, they already kind of started to put her on this trajectory when her aunt or whoever died and left her the motel. All they needed to do was keep working on that and have her just, like, steadily grow more professional. Like, if they wanted her to get out of Schitt's Creek and see a bigger world, like, they should have sent her to, like, a motel conference. Which they do. Yeah. She literally, that's where she meets that guy, remember? No, but I'll take your word for it's it. It's like season three or two or three. Okay. Could have sent her again, and now she would have had a better idea. Yeah. I don't know. Like, they could have built her as someone who's sort of forged her own path and, like, found her own way into professionalism and a career by accident without doing all the silly, frivolous stuff. I don't think – I don't like any of the Lariere stuff. Besides the name. <laughs> the name is great. I could have yeah. done without everything else. Yeah, it it felt like filler to me. It felt like this whole season yes. had like some light pacing issues where like they had certain things they wanted to hit on and everything else was like, I don't know what to do here. Let's just throw something. Yeah. I I do feel like as much as I just like watching the show so I'm okay with it, I feel like it could have been like half the number of episodes. I agree. And it would have been fine. Can I share a couple of little character things that I loved that have yeah. not a lot to say about them? <laughs> <laughs> Besides that I enjoyed them. Yes. Okay, I'm just going to power out right through these. Um, David being a bridezilla. Hilarious. Yes. <laughs> um, my favorite recurring bit of that is him saying it's my day and then Patrick's always like our, our day. <laughs> Patrick's like just game for David being who he is and I think that's so funny yeah I constantly am like amazed at Patrick and like I had a couple moments where I felt like I should be kind of mad at the show like the whole thing about New York like I felt like Patrick took it too in stride you know he was upset but he I don't know. There are times where that tension is, like, a little bit too much in David's favor. Yeah. But at the same time, it is all because Patrick is just so cool with who David is as a person. (laughs) Yes. And so he does just kind of take it all in stride because for whatever reason that we never needed to explore, he just loves him. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's kind of great. It is kind of great. Like, we all have our own little things with our chosen partners. Yeah. (laughs) That we're just like, yeah, that's just who who they are as a person. That's just who they are. Like, don't ask me any questions. I don't have a good answer for myself or for them. Right. But, like, here we are, and it's great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um... There's one episode where they buy the second motel and they're cleaning it out. And there's this, like, presidential suite that they've decided. And it's fancier than their current room. And so Moira and Johnny, like, kind of want to stay there, but so do Roland and Jocelyn. And so it's, like, this battle. But Moira, like, has to convince Johnny (laughs) that they should go there. And there's this little scene where she has to exaggerate how small their room is at the Rosebud. <laughs> <laughs> and it's literally the most relatable and funny thing I've maybe ever seen. 
<laughs> when she's like fumbling through the doorway to get past. <laughs> yes. It's some like really delightful physical comedy. It's, it's some of her best work because she's being so insane and also like so droll. <laughs> and she like, it starts with her like, she's like screams and she's like, the water is so hot. And Connie's like, well, you have to balance it with the cold. And he's like, move your hand. And she's like, but how will I know if it's getting colder? It's very good. It's very funny, like, how shitty their life is in that room. It's just exaggerating it to no end. It's amazing. Um, Another Moira thing that I've thought about, like, several times, it was just as good the second time watching it, was there's a scene where Moira goes to uh, Herbert Scherfringer's butt liquor. Yeah. His his fruit winery to endorse a new flavor of Moira Rose Rosé and all of the wine is really gross. (laughs) So they spend like a whole day trying to make a wine blend out of these bad fruit wines and get inebriated in the process. (laughs) And the whole thing is really, really funny. But at the end, uh, the winery guy calls Johnny and Patrick to pick them up and they walk in and Moira goes, she's like, our designated grapes. I just love that to no end. (laughs) I don't know why. That just really worked for me. It's a beautiful scene. I love the bit in that scene where, like, David finds the blend that is good, and then he loses it. (laughs) And he can't find it again. (laughs) can't find it again. And then he takes, like, one last sip, and he's just like, no. (laughs) It's so funny. The little plot that I really loved that we did not need, like nobody needed it. Yeah. Is the Twyla stuff. Yes. Let's talk about the Twyla stuff. No one needed the Twyla stuff. So Twyla and Alexis are friends now, which is yeah. very sweet. It is. But Alexis, like, I don't even remember how it comes up, but like says something to her about. She brings her, oh, her clothes. She's bringing her, her her old dresses. Yeah. And. Something about money comes up, and Twyla's like, well, to be honest with you, like, I don't do this job for the money. Yeah. And then it comes out that she won, like, some insane number of millions of dollars in the lottery that she's just sitting on. Yep. And that she works at the cafe because working at the cafe makes her happy. Like, she just Mm -hmm. likes running the cafe. And so Alexis is basically like, you know, it's okay to treat yourself. So then Twyla treats herself to the cafe. <laughs> so good. <laughs> she just buys a fucking cafe. And it's like her dream come true. And now she's just going to live the rest of her life running this cafe. And she's oh. just like so like radiantly happy about it. So happy. And she tries to give Alexis money. Yeah like start up money to move to New York and it's a very good scene where Alexis is like I'm not going to take your money I'm fine and she's like but you should use your money to come and visit me it yes, was very cute that was so sweet oh. I had a lot of feelings about that I had the she most feelings friends. when they were like when Alexis was like nice dress and Twyla was like my friend gave it to me uh, I know I almost oh. cried I literally I almost cried I did, too. Like, how many times in her life do you think Alexis actually heard someone refer to her as their friend? Not enough. Like, ah, it's so beautiful. Female friendship is, like, the best thing on this earth. It's so good. So good. It made me so happy. Yeah. Do you want to know another thing that made me happy that has, like, no consequence, but was (laughs) delightful? Um, The Sunrise Bay actor comes to town as i was saying earlier and he, he's a whole person but my favorite <laughs> thing 
maybe line ever, but he goes, he's talking about, like, how he's been, and he goes, I, I gave up the drink. I'm a wine and scotchman now. <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> and I was like, it's yep. <laughs> That's, like, a Twitter Truly. bio waiting to happen. It's so good. A whole mood. It's a whole mood. On a, like, less fun note, but a scene that I thought was really effective that they didn't do enough of, I don't think, like, this whole show. Um, there's a episode where they do food tastings for the wedding. And David's picked out this, like, ridiculous caterer who's expensive because mm-hmm. Johnny's paying for it. And he has no sense of, like, their financial situation, I feel like, <laughs> at this point. And... Um, there's a really good, like, character beat with Johnny not being able to pay for the f- wedding food. Particularly, like, with Patrick's family. David's like, oh, they gave us more money than we planned on. And, like, you don't have to pay for things if you don't want to. And he, like, in- is insisting on paying for it, even though he actually can't afford it. Based on, like, his pride. And, like, he has a whole scene, I think, with Stevie, where he's like, we did have money set aside mm-hmm. for this. And, like, things happened. And I felt like it was a really good character moment for him and that we didn't get enough of like he's not usually as like regretful in that way about like how things came to be as he was then yeah it's been a long time since we've gotten that from him i guess because they've been so focused on just like having him rebuild their life and the family yeah but yeah that i think is like some of his best work when you get to see, like, his drive to, like, provide for the family and take care of the family and everything he lost by him being the person in the business who got taken advantage of. Yeah. And it was also, like, a very relatable kind of note. Like, a lot of the things that he has dealt with is, like, either very industry-specific or, like, just on a totally different level, but I feel like everyone can relate to, like, one family feeling like they have yeah. more than the other family yeah. or you know what i mean like that relationship is so relatable i feel like yes i also think some of his best stuff is like the cringe humor when he's being like unreasonably awkward and obtuse mhm and that they just nailed it in that scene mhm <laughs> it's been it a while so since funny. we've gotten a good dose of that yeah it was a very good, like, episode in general. I think that was the highlight. Yes. Um, I have two more things. Okay. Interflix. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Interflix. Um, no, specifically, the social person at Schitt's Creek <laughs> made dedicated channels for Interflix, made content for Interflix, it was incredible. It was dedication. Like, that's what they were doing during the gap. Yeah. And they went for it. They didn't have to. It's not the first time anyone's ever done that, but, like, good on them to fucking just do it. <laughs> good on them. Good on them. It's sort of like doing really good costume work. Like, the audience may not see the effort and whatever, but you feel somewhere in the art the level of detail. Yeah. That was a really nice segue, Kirsty. Oh, thank you. Um, my final thing I want to highlight is the thing that made me like literally gasp out loud in the finale episode, which was Moira's costume <laughs> as the Pope. The Pope. <laughs> that was a fucking chef's kiss of an outfit. Holy shit. You know the thing I couldn't get over was the band of hair around the yes! rim of the Pope hat. I've, like, stared at that in photos. I have so many questions about that particular choice. Because that, like, speaking of things nobody asked for, like, that is such a specific detail. And, like, wow, someone someone shot their shot with that idea. I love it so deeply. It was so funny. It was so good. 
That's all, like, six pages of notes I have on Schitt's Creek. <laughs> so the last thing I wanted to say that is yes. – I think it I think it might um, really rock the boat, but I also think you're not going to be surprised to hear this. Okay. Um, I don't like any TV weddings ever, and this one was no exception. I'm sorry. I am not shocked, and I didn't love it. Because TV weddings are a terrible trope, and we should just avoid them all at all costs. Disagree. (laughs) I think they could have done, I think they could have done the same line delivery, like gotten in the same things without doing the wedding ceremony. So I think you could have had like, the moments before David and Alexis walked down the aisle. And then I think you could have like, cut the ceremony Put in whatever bits you need to get Moira as the Pope. Do a montage or some shit so that she still gets to talk. But skip the part where Patrick and what's-his-face, David, have to, like, pretend to stumble through some vows. Especially because there was singing. Like, come on. Um, We all know I hate singing. (laughs) We all... Singing is not necessarily approved on this podcast. (laughs) <laughs> I pr- I probably have some room for negotiation that Kelsey does not have, but yeah. Listen, I like Mamma Mia as much as the next guy, but si- <laughs> singing on television right now is triggering. <laughs> Kelsey's having a moment. Outlander's ruining my life. We'll get to that on another episode. Yeah. But it's been a tough. I've season. just had it with the singing. I didn't. I honestly thought like my feelings on the wedding were that. The jazzy gals were, like, a little too much for me. Yeah. Kind of in the way it was, it reminded me of Donna singing in the Parks and Rec wedding, but I like that wedding far more. <laughs> Sorry, my my dog is barking right now. Oh. <laughs> the fourth chair? Yeah. Uh, he stopped. He doesn't make many appearances. I think this is the first time I've ever hear- heard him bark. I know. Well, if he barked more, I would have to go and get up because Danny's sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, I like that wedding far more in Parks and Rec. I do stand by that as being a good TV wedding, and I know we may disagree. But it's a wedding I've been willing to make some exceptions for, even though it still makes me cringe in all of the ways that TV weddings make me cringe. Yeah. I thought the Jazzy Gals were too much. I thought Simply the Best was, like, unnecessary. That, to me, felt too fan-aware. Yeah. Because, like, I don't, you know, like, they sing the song to each other in the one episode, and it it reconciles a fight. I don't know that I believe that that means that that's, like, their song now. I also don't believe in people having, like, their song in general, but that may be a personal <laughs> problem. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um... It was funny when we were planning our wedding playlist and we had to pick, like, our first dance song because, um, I don't know, what was what was our first dance song? In My Life? Was it that? It was a Beatles song. It was a Beatles song and we had debated, like, three different ones and we didn't decide 100% for sure until, like, 11.30 the night before the wedding. Um, yeah. We had picked something else. We had wanted to do whatever we decided on ultimately, and then we picked something else, and then we chickened out and went back to the first one. Anyway, but people asked me later, like, you know, why we chose that one? Did it have some kind of meaning? And I was like, we really didn't want to push the first dance longer than a minute. So we were going for something short and something that sounded vaguely romantic because we know other people care about this. <laughs> right. Like, this is not for me. <laughs> this was not for me. I tried to get out of it and no one would let me. So... <laughs> the only dance that really mattered at your wedding was the one where we did a dance to <laughs> Dream Street, and it was incredible. <laughs> uh, if we ever have a live show, that's going to be our walkout. Wow. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, anyway. Um, I think what I decided watching this wedding, because I was like, I sort of figured, because I trust Schitt's Creek inherently, that I would be okay with whatever wedding they showed me, and then I wasn't that much, which I don't think is Schitt's Creek's fault. I think it's TV Wedding's fault. But what I realized Mm -hmm. in watching it 
is that so I've only been to four like three and a half weddings really four ceremonies Mm -hmm. and like three and a half receptions and one of them was my own and two of them were people who I was meeting for the first time at their wedding so not a great track record but my feeling Mm -hmm. is that weddings are emotional in the moment in like this very like capsulated form of space and time because of the context of those two people and the thing that you are doing in real time. And television tries to drill into that, but you're not in that place and time. Like, these are still fictional characters, so I find myself being hyper-aware that they had to stage all of this to try to draw out an emotion, whereas watching two real-life people who have a history and a dynamic doing this thing in real time feels different to me. I mean, the thing about, like, the Parks and Rec wedding that makes me emotional is not Ben and Leslie getting married. It's all of the Parks people putting together this ceremony for them. Yeah. Because that's, like, way more triggering for me. Right. (laughs) In terms of, like, (laughs) having feelings. Because, yeah. Yeah. For reasons. I think there's something about, like, the spontaneity that's missing in television. I did feel like it was noteworthy to me. I thought that Noah Reed did a really good job. He has this, like, nervous, like, wavering voice at the beginning of his vows that I have heard at, like, every wedding I've been to. And you don't see that on TV very often. Yeah, that's true. And I thought that that was very good. But I didn't need the singing. And I know people love the singing, and that was, like, it was a whole thing. But... (laughs) I see what they were going for for the singing, but because of the the issues I already have with TV weddings as an institution. Y'all, we did a mm-hmm. whole episode about this, like, way, way back. Um, so scroll yeah. back through our feed to get the full story of all of the reasons why I hate TV weddings. Yeah. Um, but because that's, like, a pre-existing issue for me in television, I just, it it was like, I there's a, a simile that goes with, when something is too much it's like the final Mm -hmm. straw no you get what Mm -hmm. i'm going for here i get what you're saying i lost all of the figures of speech in one go there (laughs) (laughs) just didn't work for you no it didn't it didn't do it for me it's fine it's fine i'm happy that other people had feelings i had a million more feelings about their house and about yeah. Alexis having friends than I did about their wedding, and I'm okay with that. I said this to you offline, too, but I think, like, they did it exactly right in the sense that the second-to-last episode had, like, all of the real emotional content, and the last episode was left to just tidy it up. Yeah. That's right to me. I do think that they nailed it. They nailed it. They really did. Like, I'm not dissatisfied. No. I said this to you, too, but they, like... They did a thing in narrative where you have a full and complete story arc that has that like nice? a beginning, middle, and end, and there's conflict and a resolution. I mean, they have the very like unique position where they could go out on a high. Yeah. Choose their own ending, go out on like the peak of their popularity, and I think that's super rare and they were able to like do a good job knowing that. Like most yeah. shows end because Either the creative talent peters out or the fans peter out or, like, right. you know, interest dies. And that's not the case here. And I think that's beneficial for them. Yeah. To me, it feels on par with my feelings about how Parks and Rec managed to end. The, those two shows stand out to me as, like, good examples of how to end a beloved franchise. Yeah. I mean, I have qualms with Parks, but that's fine. See, I just accepted the final season as a victory lap and stopped asking questions. Yeah, that's what it is. I just think they didn't need it. I did make the mistake. I should tell that story to the (laughs) listeners out there. I made a huge mistake (laughs) and accidentally got trapped watching the Unity concert episode of Parks immediately before watching... I still um, don't understand why you did that to yourself that was pretty wild so i didn't know we've been re-watching parks and i just didn't know that was the next episode and i was like oh my god and 
it's like a it's like an hour long episode, I think. Like it's a double length, so I just had no yeah, idea when one. I even started into it. And then halfway through, I was like, "Oh my god, this is the Unity concert! I can't handle this." And then, <laughs> so they simulcast this episode of Shit's Creek on Comedy Central, mm-hmm. which was helpful because it was an HD on there, and pop is not for me. <laughs> so we turned to Comedy Central. And Dinner Party was wrapping up on Comedy <laughs> Central, and I was like, a lot is happening right now. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, that's aggressive. It was just, yeah, it was, it was a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Do we, do we feel like that's all our thoughts on Shit's Creek? That's all of my thoughts. This show took me on a ride. It's been significantly less than a year since I started it. Didn't wow. I just start it over the summer? I started it yeah, very you recently. You started it later than I did, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was before I got my couch. Because <laughs> I was still sitting in the Adirondack chair. <laughs> oh my god. Um, and, yeah, anyway. Uh, and so in that short time, I have been on a journey with it. And I just appreciate it so much. It is a good piece of television. We should mention Dan Levy's mom's tweet. Yes, that was beautiful. It was so beautiful. I had feelings about that, too. I've continued to have feelings about that for maybe days. Um, His mom tweeted something about how, like, when he was growing up, she was worried about, like, the world he was growing up into because he was so unique and like so like david in many ways it like boiled down to like she was afraid the world wouldn't accept him yeah Yeah. and then she was like well clearly he was fine and like look at the world he's created that's so much better oh my god oh Uh. it like killed me (laughs) i can't i know it's very good it was very good and that like yeah the show has done a lot of good it reminds me of, um, like, a couple nights ago, Catherine Van Arendonk was tweeting about her two-year-old getting to watch Moana for the first time after listening to the soundtrack <laughs> yes. a bunch. And one of the tweets is of her child, like, staring at the TV screen, like, on the verge of tears. And she follows it up with a piece of dialogue between the two of them where she says to her daughter, music and stories give us feelings. And her daughter just says, Yeah! <laughs> It's all of us. <laughs> and that's all of us. That's a big mood. It's a big mood. Stories give us feelings. Aww. I told you I kept thinking about the series finale of Jane the Virgin and how they opened that show with like a 10-year-old Jane like having a meltdown because the TV show was ending yes. and like having to be talked down and being like, okay, TV shows end sometimes and it's okay because I I had that experience growing up, and I still, like, have that conversation with myself. Yeah. Whenever whenever a show ends, I'm like, show's ended. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I literally need to, like, take that clip of Jane the Virgin and just, like, keep it on file. (laughs) (laughs) In terms of that conversation with yourself, where does this fall, the the end of Shit's Creek fall on the, oh, no, the show is ending scale? Was this, like, Everwood-level um, distress? No, Everwood-level, like, my mom and I wept for, like, an hour. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's not, like, Parks-level distress either. But it was, it was like, below Parks, I would say, like, in that range. Probably that's around, good. like, the Jane the Virgin range. That's, a, that's an okay range. I was okay. I wasn't, like feeling betrayed that it was ending yeah and i'm going to the Shits creek live show whenever that gets rescheduled so yeah, i still buddy. have more awaiting me yeah but yeah so anyway if you have thoughts and feelings about Shits creek please tell us about them you can tweet us at hate watch with us or send us an email to hate watch with us at gmail.com you can tell us about them via a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening that accepts reviews. And you can also um, go to our website and see the image that we chose to put alongside this episode. (laughs) I can't wait to see what you do with this episode, Hunter. 
It's going to be Moira as the Pope, I think. Kelsey's doing good, good work with our website right now. I know no one cares about <laughs> podcast websites, but you need to care about heywatchwithus.com because it's very good. <laughs> you kind of don't, but But, like, fine. do. But, like, do, please, for me. <laughs> it brings me a lot of joy. It is pretty fun. It sparks joy. Yeah, it brings me joy, too. <laughs> it does. It does. <sighs> um, yeah, do you want to tell them about Thought Bubble? We are members of the Thought Bubble Audio Network. They also have podcasts, um, and those podcasts talk about things like TV and comic books and movies and all kinds of good and fun stuff. And you can find them over at the Thought Bubble Audio Network. Whoops, you can find them at Thought Bubble <laughs> FM on Twitter. <laughs> Sometimes I forget I've already said the name and I can't figure out how to make the sentence turn into urls um you can it's find them hard. at thought bubble fm on twitter thoughtbubbleaudio.com thoughtbubbleaudio at gmail.com and you can search for them on patreon and give them money to keep making their very good podcast shows mm-hmm. yeah yeah good job good job everyone <laughs> on that note I think we're going to give up the drink and become wine and scotch people. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.